Oral Histories of the National Railway Museum. Following on from John Evans' Northern Territory experiences, John Evans takes us back to the days of the old GAN Udnadatta, now that was a very, very important... Well, it was a terminus for a while, as you know. Well, 30-odd years. Yeah, before they pushed on to Darwin... Uh, to Alice Springs, yes. In 1929. I don't know where it was, but on our GAN journey in both directions, snails brought us to a halt twice, yes, yes, which, which entailed what seemed like an hour to push backwards for miles and miles and have another go over these snails that most of course were squashed but it still ended up with a oily and slippery surface. Well, a bit like millipedes on, on the hills line. Yeah, it just makes you wonder where these snails know more than a small fingernail. Millions of them. Yeah, could, could, <laughs> and could bring a train to a grinding, a grinding halt. Because because the the line to ours was was built just following the contours of the of the landscape. You got many memories of Udnadatta itself or recollections. Udnadatta was the largest intermediate station between Maori and Alice Springs. You had a, a very small settlement supported by the hotel at William Creek, and of course you had Fink itself uh, up over the border. This anti-border was. Um, near a siding called Duffield and there was a sign long out of date <laughs> rusty and what have you Udinata still had signs of, of, of past glories in many respects it was as you say it was a rail head for until 1929 the extension beyond Udinata Springs overnight Udinata went from a terminus of some importance into a significant wayside um, station Udinata boasted a magnificent railway station yeah I was about to ask you about that yes yeah. indeed I, I, one can only surmised from, from this distance now that in order to attract people to go up and um, you know perform the, the role of station master they needed to have some reasonable accommodation provided for them and their family and of course the other aspect being the terminus any freight going beyond Udadatta to get north to Alice Springs or um, northeast uh, out towards the um, stations on the virtual track and so forth. There was a what they called Gan town and you had these sort of communities or settlements in places like Maori, Farina. In fact you could always pick by the um, those interred in, in, the, in the cemeteries on the way. There was Protestants, Catholics and Muslims of course and it was the, the Afghan Cameliers because they did so much to open up country and um, the arrival of the train in Udinata, it was... A, a Amazing. Scenario. Yeah. Uh, you had virtually the whole town folk so would turn out to see the uh, arrival. And there's a uh, chapman of Horry Simpson, who was a uh, long-time Commonwealth Ra- Railways fireman and then driver. Mm. He'd been born and brought up in Udinata, and he was an avid photographer. And he's, he's taken these magnificent photographs of Udinata in, in, its, in its prime. And, I mean... You look at photographs, there's, there's a couple in there of a place called Hookie's Waterhole. And a chapman over Ned Chong, who's a Chinese gardener, has irrigated this dry patch of, of earth. And has got these lush gardens, market gardens, basically. There was even a um, pigment works where they, they, they manufactured paint, of all things. In our journey up to Murray and on to Alice in 1979, I've got vivid memories of pulling into Unadatta on that on the GAN heading north 
Yes. And you're quite right. You thought, why is this station so big and impressive? Yeah, yeah. And the number of people on the platform to greet the train, plus yes. the station master. Yes. And this is in 79, station master in full A&R uniform to greet the yes. train. And The last SM at Virginetta was a chapman over Tony Dipple. I'd first met Tony in Darwin in the uh, early 70s, along with Max Laidlaw, another identity on the on the line. Yeah, Max. Yeah. Tony, in fact, went from, he was transferred, would you believe, for Udinetta to Mount Gambia. Uh, you, you, you couldn't get a greater contrast. It's the biggest remnants of refuelling locomotives in my life. I've seen anywhere, including the Mile End Diesel Depot, was the Udna Data. Yes. Unbelievable. It spread for ages and ages. And I took a lot of Super 8 movie film of that journey. And I often look at the stuff at Udna Data. But one thing strikes me as amazing for various reasons is the extent of the fuel contamination around the fueling point at Udna Data. Yes. And of course, being that soft, sandy stuff is very noticeable. Yes. But John, in 79, for instance, there was freight trains going up and down everywhere. We saw several freight trains, you know, overtook some, some we crossed, and all big, long trains with all sorts of freight on there, you know, new motor vehicles, containers, livestock. Because you had, livestock, of course, was a staple revenue earner on the line. There were paths in your timetable for three stock trains a week. Of course, they were empty um, consists going north they load and of course come south and of course you had to transship at Maree and transship again at Port Pirie because it was still broad gauge to Pirie in those days but what a job the logistics of cartage of stock is just well I worked in the livestock office uh, in Adelaide for a while and it was quite often you'd have a thousand head of cattle being spelled at Maree oh, yes. between the standard yes. and the narrow-gauge journeys yep. on one train. Yeah, I think from memory, I think you, you had there was a transfer contractor who was a useful school teacher in Maree. Every, everyone bad turned out to pick up a few to quit on the side and, and assist in the transfer of stock from narrow to standard at Maree. They were long trains as well. Anything up to uh, they, of course. A van of stock was equivalent of a four-wheel. So you ordered so many vans of, of yep. livestock. Sometimes you'd have occasions between stations, they, they would actually jump the cattle out of uh, cattle trucks onto the ground. That's it, more than a metre high. Yes, that's so, right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you actually had these instructions where you'd pick up at, oh, it might be Abminga or something like that, and... The instructions would be that you, you jump so many head of cattle at, at a given mileage. Of course, 1974 was the worst year in history as far as flooding was concerned. Effectively, the line was closed for six months and you had this accumulation of massive piles. And of course, to clear all this stuff when the line was finally restored, it was a hell of a job. They were able to sneak in two gans a week and eventually, though, the speed restrictions on the line were such that, uh, effectively, they, the Commonwealth were, were prevented from running two trains with the same consist, basically. But, yeah, for a brief period of time, in the mid-70s there, things were really at their height. And you had um, up to three empty stock trains going north. Rebuilding of Darwin was in full swing. And so you had a heap of construction materials going north. And um, true to form, they'd get transferred from road to rail at Larimer. And uh, you had 
twin NTs working. They dispensed with the NSU and ran two NTs and they'd run three Larimer mixeds. There's a, st- a wonderful story told by Lud Jucker. Yep. Well, he was a train controller at that stage and uh, it was basically from Darwin proceed to Larimer, report if possible en route. <laughs> so basically, you know, once they left Darwin, yeah. they were on their own. The best. <laughs> yeah. Getting back to the Alice Springs Marie section, what do you know about the Kurt and Merker ball? It was a brainchild of a chapman of Simon Coxon and his wife Nellie and their family. He had formed the Gann Preservation Society and he talked, Greg Goss was the fellow, the contractors who eventually pulled up the line from Udadatta South. Simon, at the time of the um, pulling up of the track, they'd finally got down somewhere getting close to Kutimuka. And Simon had basically taken over the sidings and what and the cottages and a couple of k's of track in either direction. You had um, Stewart's Creek just to the north of for a very, very long bridge. They um, it became a weekender for, for Simon and his family. So they formed this society. They negotiated with Greg Goss to leave the um, piece of track in situ in, in Kutimurka itself. And they ran gangers trolleys basically up and down the track for anyone who was interested in coming for a ride. The first function they had was a five-course sit-down formal dinner at Kutimurka. And that graduated from that into a fully-fledged ball. People flew in and... Uh, oh, they, Western Mining did an incredible job. They would come out and basically grade a flat piece of ground. And people like Dick Smith were known to patronise the event, which, of course, went all night. And many stories told about various items that they had with Bush Dunning. In those days, you're talking about that, I was in the PR section of A&R, and... Earlier on, particularly Don Williams was passionate about history. Yes. And uh, he put a lot of uh, effort into making what they could a success of Kurdamirka and tying it into the history of the GAN and the line. Yeah, yeah. But the feedback was getting a bit soiled as years went on. Yeah. So they backed out of it a bit and I think it only lasted, was it five or six years? Or? Oh, not, not even that. No. Uh, I mean, those sorts of events... The value really lies in them um, being one-offs. A good example of it is Opera in the Outback. The first Opera in the Outback. A lot of money got spent by A&R for that. Cost was no object, basically. It should have been left at that. If you recall, the second one was 1997. There was one train went up to Beltana. It just wasn't the same. Well, that oh, first one, there was about six special train loads. Went six, up. there were six, yep. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Amazing. You had some uh, association with the efforts of people at Farina. Yes, indeed. We have to thank a chap. This fellow hailed from um, Anglesey, and um, he um, manufactured caravans and trailers, all that sort of stuff. And once a year, his customers for the 12 months prior he took them on a um, sort of a tag-along tour and it just so happened that Farina was the limit of a day's drive from Adelaide. And so basically he, he formed the foundation of a, um, an incorporated group and set about interpreting Farina in its heyday. Because like Udnadatta, I mean, there's a lot of parallels between Udnadatta, for Maori and Farina. Farina was a, in its heyday, it was a cattle shipping point for the Kidman dynasty. Kidman bought 
a station called Mundowdna Station, and he used it exclusively to fatten stock that had come down the Stresleki track. And so you, you've, you've got, uh, as I said, stockyards and all that sort of stuff. And I was approached to um, give some interpretation. Or Fortunately, I, I had photographs and so forth that depicted the rail corridor as it was in the narrow gauge days and then in the standard gauge days. And you had a, what was called a diamond crossing where the narrow gauge intersected the standard gauge. And so I went about, I basically prepared the text for a whole series of interpretive panels that were put in place by the volunteers. And they still, the volunteers still get together. They concentrate their efforts in May and June of each year. And they basically do a little bit more of the town. So you can buy shares in the, in the organisation. There's a couple of narrow-gauge wagons. Yes. I went to um, Pitchy Ritchie and to Steamtown Peterborough and got them to part with a bogey sheep truck there is a um, W bogey open wagon yeah. and they're still on the lookout although I think they've done a deal to get an NSU locomotive oh. to go to Farina I think I made the point along the way that we can account for at least the bodies of every NSU and only one NT survived yeah. You'd probably be aware, of course, of the group at Adelaide River, the North yeah. Australia Railway, that have done an enormous job preserve and maintain and look after um, a whole range of railway artefacts. Yeah, poor old Tony Heyman passed away, and he was the main force and yeah. driver behind Adelaide River. Yeah. And he had a lot of hurdles, but he achieved so much, so much oh, he uh, did. during his, his time. But it, I guess a good example, though, of a, if you don't make proper provision oh. for, for times ahead, you can unravel very, very quickly. Yeah. And unless you've got someone to step in and take that person's place, yeah, the whole thing will just literally wither on the vine. It's interesting how so much of the GAN's history can be observed Steamtown Peterborough, even though of course I'm sure some people don't see the connection, but John, there's a few of us know that Peterborough was along the journey if you went to Alice Springs for an awful long time. Sure was. <laughs> I mean, going up through Burrard to Tarawi and, oh. Yes. When, when you think of the transfer arrangements at Tarawi, the fact that, of course, you, you, you narrow gauge steam st- really started from Tarawi. A massive transfer operation in full swing at Tarawi. You had people like George Tonkin, for example, who was one of the three ASMs at Tarawi. George had been one of the last station masters at Wilson, just south of Hawker. I had the privilege of meeting this guy and talking to him. It's worth noting that I found from experience that if you ask the right question and offered an intelligent answer, generally speaking, people would take you into their confidence. For example, I mean, you look at the rear end smash at Patapa in, in May 1944, people killed in that particular incident. A lot of conjecture about exactly what did happen that night. A head-on smash between an RT and an NM at Strangway Springs. Um, looking back now, almost every kilometre has its own story to tell mm. on that on that particular line, and it, it's been a source of constant fascination for me. Isn't it wonderful, though, that we have an organisation such as Railway today yes, that are still today running s- so authentic 
Gans yes, through yes. Pichirichi Pass. Yes. I think it's incredible. It is. It really is. Good luck to them. Yeah. Very good. And I mean, thank goodness, you know, Reg Mays and all those people from way back when. And support of Keith Smith, the then Indeed. commissioner. Indeed, yes, yes. The drama associated with the saving of NM25. It was about to get the torch taken to it. I can't believe it's almost, fi- well, getting close to 50 years since that society yes. first founded. Amazing. Yes. They've been through tough times and, and so forth. Thank goodness that section of line has been preserved. There probably wouldn't be a better example of narrow gauge. No. I think it's been wonderful, John, that we've started at Darwin, talked about World War Two. we've come down to Larimar, we've jumped the dirt ditch to Alice Springs and spent time at Alice Springs and Udnadatta and Mari and we've kept heading south, which was, I think, a good way to tell that whole story about Adelaide to Darwin and to different gauges and, and so forth and of course end up with such a wonderful thing at Farina but also the great people at Pichirichi still running the GAN trains today. I'm glad I was around to um, both appreciate what was happening at the time and to have actually got hold of and, and for posterity a lot of documents that were issued to, to trains along the line. Thanks very much again for your time. Thanks for listening to this oral history podcast from the National Railway Museum.